Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The other day, you may remember, I spoke to men's sheds. And uh, more than 80% of the country's men's sheds have had their fundraising affected, of course, by COVID-19, placing their future at risk. And we spoke to Val. And I'll be honest with you, when we do interviews on the show, um, you know, on a lot of occasions, you know, obviously we, we have to, you know, give you as much information in two hours as we can about different things going on in the country. And particularly around this particular time, people want information. They want to know what's going on. And, you know, some interviews I'm really excited about and other interviews I'm going, I am equally kind of some level excited about it, but I'm kind of saying, oh, OK, yeah. And I don't have as much information. I didn't know as much. But I didn't know an awful lot about men's sheds and how important they were to people until I spoke to Val Brown. And Val Brown brought me, and nearly, well, almost in the first nine years, brought me to tears because um, I understand now how important men's sheds and men's organisations are. And particularly, I suppose, today, because the information today from the UN um, is that we are facing a mental health crisis. And they're calling on governments of the world to focus on the mental health of people during this time when people are locked down. And that goes for men and women. Research in the paper the other day suggested that women suffer more from mental health problems due to lockdown than men. But I don't believe that research. I think the difference is, is that men don't talk about it. I think men equally, if not more sometimes, suffer from mental health problems because I think women have their circle of friends. Men tend to be a little bit, I suppose, they don't want to talk to other men about it because I suppose it's not cool, it's not macho and we need to get rid of that idea that you can't talk to people. We need to talk to people. But I think it's important that we understand more about what Men's Sheds does. So I've decided to invite, because I wanted to give it more time, because I kind of felt I rushed him off the air the other day, Val Brown to join me again, and Johnny Hanafy, who are both members of Men's Sheds and are part of the organisation. Good afternoon, lads. Good afternoon. Um, Good afternoon. Val, just getting back to you, everybody, everybody was taken by your story of your wife and how she passed away recently, Mary, and and what it meant to you and how your life changed after that and how you literally went downhill. And I suppose loads of people were texting us in afterwards asking us, how you, firstly, how you are now? How are you feeling now? Oh, I feel great. <laughs> Do you and, help? Oh, yes, a new lease of life since I joined the men's church. Right, okay. And, and to remind us again, how long were you married? I was married for over 30 years. All right. And we're going to dedicate the day today to her, you know, because I think, you know, she must have been a wonderful person if she had that kind of effect on you after she passed away. Because obviously when she passed away, you missed her greatly because she was, you were a unit. You were, she was part yeah. of your life. <laughs> we went everywhere together. Yeah. And, and what sort of things did you do? Did you go dancing or did you go to the movies or what did you do? Oh, <laughs> We weren't very good dancers, but we went dancing and we went to shopping and everything. Every day, every morning, I used to bring her uptown shopping six days a week. And you know what I mean? Anywhere she ever wanted to go, I brought her. She was always there for me, so she was. And and describe her to us, because we all now know Mary. We heard, her talk, we heard you talking about her so beautifully on the air today, or the other day. And describe her. If somebody said to you, what was Mary like? What sort of person was she? Very quiet person, easy going. <laughs> Family always came first. Yeah. And me, always running and racing for the whole lot of us. Yeah. His two daughters and sons. She'd done everything for us. So she... And, and she used to love walking the dogs. We have three huskies and she walked them every day. Right. Three of them. And the, the, you mentioned the other night, too, that you you always remember she'd bring you in your cup of tea. Oh, yes, 9 o'clock at 9, 9 o'clock in the evening. I'd be sitting in here watching television. She'll be in the air, and she said, you want a cup of tea? Yeah. And, you know, now that, that door will never open again. I'm sorry to hear. And I know, I know Val, that it really upset you. So to remind people who didn't hear you the other day, yeah. after she passed away, for a while you were going downtown, but a lot of people were talking about her and that was kind of, it was very hard for you to deal with. So you became yeah. a little bit reclusive, I suppose. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. So I locked myself in the house for four weeks. My hair started to fall out. <laughs> and... You, ran, you ran yourself into bad health, essentially. I did, yeah. I was going downhill all the time. And I never knew it, so I didn't. Yeah, you unconsciously. Know, loneliness was the loneliness. It's from, I had friends coming two or three times a week to me, but after nine o'clock, you're in the house by yourself. No one to talk to. And no cup of tea. 
no cup of tea yeah. or anything. Yeah. That's when it really hits you. Yeah, yeah, no of course. Illness. And and how, what what was the turning point for you? You know, I mean, you were in this state where your your health was going down. You were lonely. You felt isolated. You missed Mary terribly, yeah. and, and and there was a realization there that you you were never going to get that nine o'clock cup of tea again. That you'd, no, have, to, you'd have to make it yourself. And, yeah. and what was the turning point for you, Val? Then? Well, the turning point was I was just so bad. They sent a priest down to me, me kids, and he told me if you don't get out of the house, you're going to get yourself into bad health. I told him I would, but still I could not face it. And one day a friend of mine came to me house. He said, come on, he said, I'll take you for a spin. And the spin was to the men shed. That changed my life completely. And for people who, uh, we, we kind of think of the men's shed as being a shed. And some of them literally are sheds, um, yeah. corrugated iron roof sheds. But where is your men's shed? In Bellina, as you come into Foxhill Road, it's a bit, it was an old story of cinema. Right, okay. In Bellina, and it's on your right-hand side coming in. You can't miss it. It's a big building, and that's where the Bellina Min Shed is. Okay, so lads, similar to yourself, who maybe have gone through a bit of a tough time in their lives, maybe they're unemployed, maybe they've lost somebody, and they're just looking for a sense of purpose or someone to talk to, other lads to talk to, can can go in there and they'll maybe learn a new trade, um, you know, meet a tiler or somebody who operates a lathe, or and they have bits and pieces in there that you just can practice on, and or, or you can just sit around and have a cup of tea, I suppose. Yeah, anybody can come into the into the main shed. It's there for every type of person. You don't have to have a trade to be in the main shed. Mm-hmm. Everyone is welcome. You come in that bridge there. They have art classes. You can watch television. You can help out in the work, workshop and you can go in at dinner time. We have dinner there and you can make a cup of tea anytime you like and relax with the lads because everyone is welcome in the main sheds. And has everybody from what you've talked about, and obviously we can't talk about other people on the air apart from the two years, but everybody that you've met and you've associated with in the men's shed, do they all have a bit of a story, Val? Is there a story? Yeah, there's a lot of them in the same situation as me. They've yeah. lost someone and they have nowhere to go and they're lonely, but they're lonely, so they are. And it's not until it hits your own doorstep that you realise how loneliness can affect your health. Oh, I can imagine. Isolation has a huge Isolation. effect. Yeah. But when you come into the main shed, it's a different atmosphere, so it is. Everyone welcomes you in, so they do. And, and what's the story with the men's shed now at the moment during this kind of these restrictions? I mean, how is that operating? Well, it's not operating at the moment, and I can tell you I miss it, but it's the summertime now, and I have a lot of work to do in the back garden. Only for that, I don't know what I do, but I'm looking forward to the main shed opening again, and I think the government should give more money to the likes of those places. Of course, because, because mental health is so important. Yeah, mental health. I don't, I don't think I'll be here only for the main shed. Well, I'm glad you're here, Val. I have yeah, and what happened too in the main shed with me was, I never knew I had blood pressure. Nurses came in one, they're just checking us out, and the nurse came up to me, she said, Val, your blood pressure has gone through the roof. I said, I feel great, I said, but she said, you want to go to your GP. So I took no heed of her, and two, two days later, that nurse rang me up, and she said, did you go to your GP? No. She said, you're on the brink of a major heart attack and it runs in your family. So I went over to, ran over to my doctor and the way he looked at me, he said, you're a lucky man. And he said to me, I said, I had no symptoms. That's why we call this the silent killer. And it's a good job you were in the main shed or you wouldn't have found out you had this problem. And what's, what would be the average age group in the men's shed? You can, from, we have young fellas, 30 or 40, any young boys, anyone, everyone is welcome in the main shed. It doesn't, it doesn't, okay. age doesn't count. Okay, well, let me let me go to Johnny Hanafi as well, because Johnny yeah. is also a member of the men's shed. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm good, yourself. Johnny, what, what made you go to the men's, shed, the men's shed? What's the story behind it? Were you lonely well, or isolated? Well, I, I lost my wife in, in 2013. Okay. And I was here on my own. How long were you married? And I agree with a lot that Val said. I've only one son. He's down in Cork, so okay. on my own here. So, T.P. Garman, who started the mini shed in Kilbeg and rang me. 
Yeah. And he told me about the community shed we're starting, would have be interested in going. I didn't know what he was talking about, but he said, look, I'll give it a go anyway. Yeah. So I went over anyway, and that's where it started. I went over. I knew, the only one I knew in the shed at the, when I went over was TP. Yeah. And uh, there was about 15 or 20 men there, and before I came home, I had friends for life. That's the way it is. Right, and, and basically somebody that you could talk to because you know... Somebody could talk to, yeah. and our men's shed is full of different people... From different parts, like with ex-teachers, ex-army, ex-farmers, yeah. you know. And and how long were you married, Johnny? I was, like, well, over, over 30 years. Okay, and um, um, what was your wife's name? Maureen. And what happened to Maureen? She got myeloma. You okay. Know what that is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it the tissue of the blood. And she got 10 years old, but she just passed away. And, and she was your, your best friend in life, of course. Oh, of course she was best friend in life, yeah, yeah. so... <coughs> and like Val, when, how did you handle the grief after she died? I mean, did you, be, well, did you isolate yourself? Before, I remember after she died, it was on my own here. And I sat down. And, uh, my son was with me, Ivan, and Karen, the wife, and the two little children. They were heading back to Cork. And they went out the door with them. And I went back in. And the silence was so silent. Mm-hmm. I was so lonely. I walked in and I sat down on the couch and I said to myself, I said, no, you either sink or you swim. So I said, I'd swim. And the main shed was the biggest head. But after, after, it was no length after the TP rang me to go to the main shed. And that was the start of my, my life. I, I got a new life, a new lease of life. Now, having said that, I wouldn't be like, well, I, I'm outgoing. Right, okay. And I've been involved with a lot of other organisations. Mm-hmm. And what, and what have you, I mean, Val was telling us that, you know, he was showing other guys, you know, how to, I think it was wood turning he was talking. Yeah. Was it wood turning, wasn't it, Val, you were doing? Yeah, so yeah, wood yeah. turning. We do a lot yeah, of wood we, turning. We, we have that. We, we, oh, we have a wonderful workshop. The man who wants to win the workshop, they're entitled to go into it and win to it. Yeah. We have our computer room. Yeah. We have a tunnel for anyone who's interested in gardening. Right. And we have a most important, a very good kitchen. We pick our own bread and our scones. Right, so you do a bit of baking, a bit of cooking, and a bit of working. And, and we do that, yeah. And then we have a few fantastic musicians, and we do have a great session of music as well. Right, so, you, so you're learning, I mean, and I spoke to somebody after I talked to Val uh, the other day, and we were talking about that culturally how Ireland has changed. But in, in the days that you guys were married, it was quite common that, you know, a wife would stay at home, and she did a lot of the cooking, and she did a lot of the cleaning and the ironing. And I was saying that, Although, you know, the world has changed now and men play a different role in a marriage nowadays, it's a very different world we live in. You know, at the time, I suppose many men, when their wives passed away, not maybe not particularly you lads, but when, you're, when their wives passed away, they felt a sense of uselessness. That, yeah, well, that, that, that's a fact, you know. They just felt they were, they were useless and they weren't a wanton. Yeah. They're, like know, Some lads couldn't I, even I, iron you're, a you're, shirt, you're you know what I mean? Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, we depend on off that. Our generation depended on off that on the, on the way she did the cooking, she did the washing, she did the ironing. Yeah. yeah. She practically ran your life. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically <laughs> went you went from your mother to your wife. And, uh, well, yeah, they went from your mother to your wife. And that's a fact. That's the way That's the way Ireland was. Yeah. And she was, like, I mean, she was... She was always there. Yeah, she and did everything. With a fire lit well, she made Val's tea at nine o'clock every evening, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so these wonderful women, you know, yes. of, of the time, I mean, they weren't just wives and best friends, but they were essentially carers for their husbands. <laughs> you <laughs> <and> your mother. <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah, they looked after them, you know? Yeah. I, I, the worries about, when you went out the door, they worried about you until you come back. Yeah. No, so. And and so for younger people listening, they, they don't really have an understanding of that now because the world is so different now, and it's very different in the way we. Yeah, it's, we, much, it's much different. Yeah. yeah, probably for the better. Yeah, of course, because it makes people a bit more independent. But there exactly, is, yeah. but there is this thing as well. And listening to Val uh, uh, the other day, and listen to him again today, there is this thing. There was research in the paper the other day that said this particular lockdown was going to affect women more than men. Right? I think it was like thirty-seven percent versus twenty-five percent of women mentally affected by this, right, or mental health. But I, I don't believe that's true. I think men are very slow to talk to other people when they have problems or when they're feeling lonely or down. There's a kind of macho thing that we're lads and we can't really talk. But I think the men's shed, you know, because you're getting to meet other lads in the same situation, it helps. Oh, yeah, the men's the men shed, I mean, it's, we will talk about that now in the men's shed. Yeah. You know, men normally talk about politics or holding or football or whatever sport. Yeah. 
Well, women will talk about their personal life, and uh, in the men's shed, we do. We, we discuss. We discuss our health. And you compare. I suppose you'd compare stories about how you're feeling, and of and, course we yeah. do. Yeah. And yeah. you know, a bit of a, you're a bit of support for each other too, apart from anything else. Yeah, we are. We're, we're a crutch for each other. Go that way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we do a great crack as well, like you know. Well, <laughs> yeah. What what age are you, Johnny? By the way, I'm seventy two. And how are you handling the cocooning at the moment, or the kind of staying? Well, I'm lucky enough that way because I have a fairly big garden, and I get lost in the garden. So I like, and I like gardening. Right. Okay. So like, I I actually don't see it that bad. Okay. The only thing I miss is going to town and. Doing a bit of shopping and all that, but I have a wonderful niece. Yeah. Gillian, and she looks after that for me. So wow. I'm all about that way. Okay, and you're looking forward and to getting back to the men's shed. We have, we, we, we're following each other every day, each member, and we have, you know, the college show. We all have, we, we've, uh, we all, there's four of us, the TP, uh, yeah. Frank Brennan, myself, and Mick Rush. We, do, we have a quiz every Wednesday night and every Saturday night. So we have, we have our phone on the phone. Like, right, so you have the quiz on the phone? We have the quiz on the phone, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> well, Val, are you using doing anything? Val, Val, are you using any technology? No, no, no. No, I'm not. No, I'm just sitting here. You know, I don't use any te- technology. Yeah. It's just phone, you know what I mean, and like for that. Yeah, and do you have technology, Val? Do you have like an iPhone or a tablet or... Well, no, no, I'm not into that. I prefer going doing out to the shed and doing a little bit of wood turning. That's what really... Yeah keeps me going, you know what I mean? It's a great pastime, and when you're in the men's shed, there's people coming up looking at you, and you're showing them what to do, and they love look, looking at you, and then they'll, we'll teach them if they want to be taught how to wood turning, and we have our classes, everything is there for everyone that comes into the shed. Yeah, well, the reason you lads are on today is because I was quite touched by the other day, and all this stuff doesn't come for free, of course, because somebody has to pay for it all. Yeah. And, and I know they do get some level of funding, probably not enough like most organisations. No, not enough, no, yeah. not enough. And, and, they, and they also fundraise, which they can't do at the moment. Um, yeah. And we need people to donate. So I want everybody listening today, I, I, know, I know everybody is asking you for money. And I know people as well are short of money, and I'm well aware of that because we're, a lot of people are out of work at the moment. But I, yeah. I, you know, you might be getting your COVID payment, and you might have a few quid stashed away. So we just want everyone to give you four euro. Um, and and by the way, this is not just for men maybe who've lost their wives. It's for people who've retired because there's a sense sometimes of lack of purpose when you retire. A lot of men. Uh, particularly uh, of the older generation, where they were the the providers in the homes and they worked all their lives. Um, when they eventually retire, they become very bored and lonely and isolated from their social life and work. Similar to women will, of course, very soon because, of course, women obviously started their careers a lot later than men in this country because of the way this country worked. Um, so it, it does seem that it's for everybody who finds that loneliness. So I want everyone to reach into their pocket today um, and all you've got to do is send a text. Now, the text will cost you €4, Euro, and apart from obviously your network charges, the, re- the rest of the money will go to the men's shed. And it will help people like Johnny, uh, people like Val, and many other men. And it is men, because we talk about women a lot. There's a lot of women's organisations, and we give them plenty of coverage as well. But I think it's really important that we talk about men's mental health as well, because it's very, very important. And um, Because unfortunately in this country, more men take their own lives every year than women. By a, the vast majority, more men take their lives. Because I suppose there's a sense of purpose and uh, men feel it's probably maybe it's built into our DNA that we're providers, and when that stops happening somehow, that or we lose our wives, we feel a, a lack of purpose. So I want you all to donate four euro, and to do it, everybody just take out their phones now. Come on, take out your phones. <laughs> I'm going to take out mine. Yeah, I'm going to do mine now. Okay, okay. Hold on, let me just open my uh, my text here. Okay, now. I want everybody to text, okay? And all you got to do is put in the phone number first, okay? So it's 50300, okay? So it's 50300, all right? And all you got to do is text the word SHEDS, okay? S-H-E-D-S, SHEDS. And do it right now. So it's 50300. Now remember that text, but it will cost you €4. Euro, and the usual networks, uh, sort of say the usual network charges apply, but the rest of the money goes directly to the men's sheds, all right? Okay, lads, I really wish you the best of luck, both yeah, of you. Yeah. And, and all the men that go to the men's sheds. 
Um, I know we, I know women have book clubs and things like that as well, which are not really book clubs. They're just places where they go and drink wine, drink tea, and talk to each other, which is great as well. But for, for men, I mean, this this to me, and Kev, by the way, says, Kevin Limerick is one of my regular listeners, says, I almost switched off when you started this, but I'm delighted I didn't. What an eye-opener. Best topic in ages. And I think it's really important that people understand it. Because, lads, I had no idea what the men's sheds were up to this point. I, I didn't, well, I, I cared of it, but I didn't understand how important it was. And I think it is important, Val, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the most important things going for the likes of people that have retired and lost somebody. I can tell you, I have a new lease of life now. I'm looking forward to the minch. Then again, going up at 10 o'clock and leaving it at 3 or 4. And we have a snooker table in the Bellingham shed. A snooker table and anyone can come in and play snooker. Johnny, do you have a snooker table in your men's shed? No, but we have a dartboard. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a dartboard too in the midshed. Um, in Bellina. <laughs> we, we have a computer room. So we have good music. I, yeah. I tell you what, we have fantastic music in our shed. Yeah. Well, like, look, there's men's sheds all over the country. And of course, it is an organisation, Men's Sheds, who operate this and who fund this. Again, as I said to you, it doesn't come for free. These things all cost oh. money. And uh, we're asking people to donate. So please, once again, take out your phone and donate four euro. Um, and to do that, all you got to do is text the word men or text the word sheds, not men's sheds, sorry, sheds. That's S-H-E-D-S. And you text it to 50300. So that's 50300. All right, do it now. Lads, thank you. And I wish Thanks you well. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll be thinking about you all weekend. All right. Yeah, okay. All right. See you very much. Bye. There's uh, Johnny and Val from the Men's Sheds. I just thought I'd give that a bit more airtime than it deserved, uh, or should I say, because the other day they were on, uh, Val was on and I kind of rushed him. It was the end of the show and I rushed him and I felt really bad after rushing him off because it was such a wonderful story and how the Men's Shed was just life-changing. So once again, please do it. Take out your phone. Before I go into the break here, okay? Take out your phone. Come on. Everybody do it listening. Please, just do it for me. I don't ask you to do very much like this, so please just do it for me. And text the word SHEDS to 50300, okay? 50300. Remember, text costs you €4, euro, and, of course, the usual network charges will apply there as well. Uh, somebody says, donated, best of luck, raising money for the men's sheds. Now, that comes in from Nicola. Thank you, Nicola. And thank you to everybody. Send me a text if you want to tell me, and I'll read out your text, all right? And I'll try my best to read out most of them as well. Now, after the break, I want to know about your mental health and how you're affected by this lockdown. A lot of people have been saying it and the UN have put out a warning in the last few days that not only do we have a COVID-19 crisis, but when that finishes, we're going to have a mental health crisis. People will die and people will die of despair uh, because, of course, people have lost their jobs. Their lives have changed. There will be poverty. People haven't gone to hospital when they should have gone uh, because if you have early diagnosis, obviously, of illness. So the secondary effects are going to be very lasting in this COVID-19, probably worse than the actual virus itself in some sense, which begs the whole question, can we justify what we're doing at the moment? But again, we'll talk about that in the future. But your mental health. How is your mental health? Are you over 70 and cocooning and lonely at the moment? Are you under 70 and missing your mother or your father who's over 70? Maybe your grandparents, you haven't seen them in ages. How is your mental health? How are you handling? Maybe if you're living in an apartment and you don't happen to have a back garden and you're going out of your mind with three kids because there's nothing for you to do, nowhere for you to go. It's getting a little bit easier. But how are you? Huh? I don't know whether the government has focused very much on it. Mind you, I haven't seen Leo Varadkar very much, our leader. I see every other leader, by the way, on television on a regular basis, including Boris Johnson back out there again. Uh, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, he's on the television nearly every single night. Probably one of the hardest working presidents in the world, even though you might not like him. Um, um, I've seen Leo Varadkar only for the announcements. And there was one interview in the Late Late Show, and I think one he did in News Talk yesterday. And the, the more recent announcement there two weeks ago about the lifting of restrictions, uh, he didn't allow any questions. So I haven't seen him very much. To me, that's not what a leader does. At a time like this, we want to see the leader. We want to see the people who are guiding us every single night, and we want to see them questioned about it. But that's not happening in this country. In this country, it's just, here are the rules, do it. That's the way it works. We make the decisions. I don't find that very exciting for the citizens. Uh, But getting back to isolation and how this is affecting people's mental health, um, and we spoke to the lads there for the, men, uh, the Men's Shed a few minutes ago. And, and mental health is going to be a big thing we need to focus on over the coming year, uh, particularly, and going forward as well. Carl, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Carl? How are you doing, Niall? Uh, Carl, your friend's father went to the Men's Shed. 
Yeah, about 15 years ago, um, my friend, uh, his father, my friend died, and uh, it was so sudden. He's only young, 27 yeah. years of age, and yeah. uh, so the father was, mother and father was... Um, Devastated, I imagine, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was literally, he's fine, and then a couple of weeks later, he was dead, and sudden. So for about, they were 66, 67 at the time they were, and... Um, I was I'm close with the family, so I've, I've always just visited and just dropped in how he's doing and that. But the father never could, he could never get the grips with it, you know, come to terms with it. Yeah. And I remember that about a year then after that, uh, I dropping into the house and he, he telling me he's he's after joining this men's shed. And he showed me a little plaque that he, little, little, just a little, like a wooden thing that he was after making. He said, oh, I made that up in the men's shed. I joined it there two weeks ago. And it was just a little place that for elderly men to go to. And there was other men there that they could have a chat with. And it was just somewhere to go. Because he, he couldn't speak to his wife. He just couldn't talk to her about it. Yeah. And, um, no, I, I, and I understand why that can happen. I'm, I'm, I do want to point out, by the way, it's not, I know there is some younger men that go to it too, but it, it does primarily seem to be older men, maybe retired. No, there, there, yeah. is, younger, there yeah. is some younger, but yeah. uh, mainly it was older, but... Just me watching that man as the weeks then went on, um, just the, the lift that that gave him. And he, he's actually 80 now, and he's still in it today. So it kind of gives him a sense of purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. He goes a couple of mornings a week, just up, potters around. They, 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 they make projects between them, and as well, just, just, just a bit of banter as well, I suppose. And he, probably, he, and he probably confides in some of the lads about how he feels about his son and missing him, and more so, he, and I know this sounds hard, but more so, more than, his so wife. than his wife. Because yeah. he can't, because it, it's, a, it's so, it, it was so upsetting that he just says, uh, says, I can't talk to her about it, you know. Because he probably knows how upset she is about it too, and he doesn't want to maybe upset her even more. So, I mean, and it's difficult sometimes. It's a generational thing, by the way, Carl. I think we maybe find it difficult to understand, but older men find it difficult to talk to their wives about things Open like that. Up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree, yeah. When, when my own father, we would be the same, yeah. Yeah, it's generational. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we, we were raised differently, I suppose, in some sense, but, but they are... There's that kind of macho thing, isn't it? You know, I'm a man and I shouldn't be upset and I shouldn't yeah. be lonely and I shouldn't feel like this. Well, just come about this quarantine thing. They're going on uh, mental health for the past, you know, people sitting at home. I tell you, Noel, my mother laughed at this there last week. She says to me, she says, quarantine, she says, I've been in quarantine for seven years. Mm-hmm. I literally, I literally, I walk, I walk a lot and then I come home. I don't go out. Couple of my friends died when they were young, and it's like seven years I've sat in this house. Yeah, my wife lives abroad, doesn't like Ireland. Could never take her when she came here, so she went back home. It was like seven years walking and sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, and it does take its toll. Yeah, and people people do get lonely if you like if you're living alone or. You know, you've no family around you. It, it, it can't be lonely. Hmm? Yeah, and I and I know there probably is. I'll find out in a second. But I know there are. Well, look, you know, you can you can contact places like Women's Aid and the Women's Council of Ireland and all these other there's women's networks. I don't I don't think they're good enough, Niall. Yeah. I, 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 well, not, is there an equivalent to men's shed for women? I know they do. I know there's coffee mornings and there's um they do the um the book clubs, uh, which are not really book clubs a lot of the time. But there is women's sheds, I believe. Helena's just told me, Mary. There is, a, there is actually a women's shed organisation too. So there, you know where women can go. Yeah. You know, maybe I, that mean, might be- I, I, I would find. I, I think when people wake up in the morning, they're at their best. Yeah. But I think it's then as, as later as the day goes on, and then and especially in the, the long winters in Ireland, come four o'clock, they're sitting out. People are sitting in, in darkness at home. You know and. You look out the window and it's grey and raining and cold. But you know, aren't we very lucky in some sense that this lockdown happened during probably the best... Well, not only just summer, but the best six weeks of weather we've probably had in two or three years. Yeah, I suppose. You know know what I mean? I mean, realistically, up to to this weekend, it hasn't rained. 
in yeah, well, if it had been raining for the past six weeks, oh, we people were, were just sitting in there. Yeah, mm. it would have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Well, listen, th- 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 thanks for that. Thanks very much indeed, and I appreciate it. I'm glad uh, that your father-in-law, or should I say, father, is there. Uh, father-in-law wasn't it? it was father-in-law. Oh, it was a friend. Oh, it was friend's father. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks very much. I'm glad he's feeling much better now. Uh, all right, lots of messages by the way coming in. I'm going to go to Nigel in a second. Hang on. Hi, Nigel. My name is Martina Ross. You're asking how how are we feeling? I'm feeling very sad at the moment. Should I feel sad? Well, I'm still working. I work in John Stores in the Pavilion Shopping Centre, but I drive into work every day on th- on the motorway, and I see all these signs. Stay safe. Protect one another. Hashtag cold firm. And even though I'm just a supermarket worker, I'm hearing very sad stories on the registers. And yeah, I just feel very, very sad at the moment. And yeah, that's the way I feel. Love the show, Niall. Thanks for asking us that question. I think it's important we ask that question. How are you all feeling? Because I think it's really important. And I can leave just listening to her voice there. I know that she's upset. And she's upset not just for herself, but thinking about other people and thinking how this and how the world around us at the moment is affecting other people. Now, uh, loads of people, by the way, texting in saying they're donating to Men's Shed and found the interview very uplifting listening to the two lads. Uh, Nigel, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Nigel? How are you, Nigel? How are you? Uh, Nigel, Men's Shed, you believe it's a great initiative. Uh, uh, it's invaluable now. It's, you can't put a price on it. You can't. You, you, you really can't. You, you, like, I think as the two boys, first of all, listening to them is is, is gut wrenching as well as it, it. It's half gut wrenching and it's half really. Um, yeah, because you could see what, yourself in that position as you get yeah, older. Of course you can. As a man, you can now. You can see yourself losing the person. The one person that keeps you alive is dead. Yeah, I can't imagine it. No, no, the one person that gives you a function, the one person that puts a smile on your face in the morning time when you look at her is gone. And as like you listen to them two boys, oh, Jesus, terrible. I'm crying driving like the van here, I'm not messing with you. But, ah, um, you big softy, Nigel. Ah, so like, I've tried <laughs> this show before. But, <laughs> but you see, now, actually, do you know what? I've I've just made a huge mistake there because I've done exactly what I'm telling people not to do. I've just called you a big softy joking, obviously, right? But isn't this the problem that men are afraid to be soft? We're men afraid. don't want to be known. They don't want yeah. to be known as a big softy, Noel. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and there I am perpetrating the stereotype. So like I'm six foot four and, and fifteen stone, Noel. I'm, I, I look anything but a big softy. You know what I mean? But yeah. I've no problem. I've no problem admitting live on radio. I am a big softy. Well, so am I by times, by the way. Yeah, I've got no, especially when you listen to boys like that. Yeah. And I've walked, walked you, you, you know boy them, Niall. You know, you know by listening, they've walked, you, you, like, you know they're honest men. They're honest men that love their wife, love their families, work hard. You can hear it in their voice. But I can visualise Val and his wife Mary Absolutely. at nine o'clock after she's walked the dogs, comes back and sits down with him, makes him a cup of tea and all his life that's what he's done at exactly the same time, like a routine. Really? She'll make him a cup of tea and maybe give him a little peck on the forehead before she goes to bed. I, I can visualise the scene when in the room. That, when he said that, will you have a cup? I've seen her coming through the kitchen or the room door, I know, I can see how she was dressed. I can see how she was dressed. And everybody listening could. And, and for a lot of elderly men, this is a generation, thing too that was their wives looked after them and when their wives went or died or passed away or whatever happens they're they're lost they feel that there's no purpose I saw it Niall I saw it with my own granddad back in my, my granddad passed away in 2002 my granny passed away in, in, in 1993 and I've seen that, that nine years like he was a big same as myself he, he was a big big strong fella he boxed in the army he was you know he, he worked with his hands he was an engineer. He was a big, strong, hard man, tough. And I, I physically seen him dwindle. I physically seen... Like, I saw it with my own father when my mother died as well. He changed. Like, the, 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 my mother always says the fizz was going out of his lemonade. That's the way she said it. His life went flat. You know, he still went down for a couple of points. He still didn't But he sat in the house on his own like, and that killed him. Yeah, I know, and for a lot of elderly men, that's very difficult, and particularly as well, not just people who passed away, but people who were retired too, who need a sense of purpose. Nigel, I have to go to Jude very quickly. Nigel, thank you very much indeed, and you're right, it is a great initiative, Men's Shed. Jude, you're on Classic Hits. How you doing, Jude? Hello, sir. How Hello, sir. How are you? I'm uh, calling you, sir, today because you have such a good programme. I oh. normally call you Nigel. <laughs> All right, OK. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I hate to tell you that I'm going to have to rush you a teeny bit because I've only got two and a half minutes, unfortunately, ah, that's before, the, before the news. Maybe, and I, maybe, I, maybe I, another time. And I tell you what, I would love to talk to you more another time because Helena was kind of in my ear during the break telling me what you want to talk about. But the crux of it is, is that you have suffered from depression 
And that, to you, the kind of lockdown at the moment, when you're looking around, that's your normal, I suppose, in some sense. And, and and how has that affected you on a day-to-day basis? Or how long has that been going on for you? It, uh, it started about... Thir- well, really, it started around the year 2000. I, I had a relationship. I was going out with a girl. I had a top job. I wasn't drinking. I had my life totally in order. Uh, unfortunately, the year 2000 celebration came along, and I was attacked violently that night at the end of the night. And uh, I went into three months of post-traumatic stress syndrome. And, okay. Uh, I didn't realize what it was at the time. I just isolated myself. And, and then, that's fine. I, I forced myself out again back to work and three and a half years, four years. And I had an accident at work where a certain individual... And I'd, I'll cut a long story short. There was, there was a lot of trauma there. And in 2005, I went straight into maybe nine months of total depression. But anyways, it continued. And when you say when you say total depression, there was a kind of sense of having no purpose every time you woke up in the morning. No purpose, no reason to live, not to eating properly, not to. I took care of myself since I was sixteen years of age. Totally self-sufficient, travelled around the world. You name it. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to go outside the door. Didn't want to see people. Totally so they Only go out late in the evening, walk the dog, and and that was it. That was my exercise. But to fast forward to now, uh, ten years basically in in and the medic. The medical profession, all they throw you medication, medication. Yeah, I know. People are over-prescribed antidepressants. I know that. Uh, what was it? it? It's a cure-all. Uh, I asked for counselling. It's not available. The government not funding. You're on the waiting list for seven years. So here's here's some go, tablets to keep you going. Would you go and talk to them in the psychiatric? And yeah. I heard so many bad stories back from that. I, I after so five there was years, a great article in the Irish Examiner there last year where a girl, a young girl, a reporter who wasn't suffering from depression, went yeah. to like sixteen GPs saying yeah. she was depressed just yeah. pretending to be depressed, and they all diagnosed her with antidepressants. Yeah, oh yeah. And that actually destroys you more because a certain medication will throw you into what that other type of uh, depression where you spiral up and down. Yeah, well, you go into a kind of clinical depression, manic, a manic, manic depression, yeah. yeah. And, and and it's very hard to get out of that. I've seen friends of mine that had depression and they were medic, and I actually would carry regular depression for a thousand years rather than being the state that they were in. They'd Totally. So I suppose well, they went off the head. Like I suppose, in some sense, because I was telling you something about Ashling the other day here at work, and Ashling gets very worried about diseases and all that. But she's actually handled this crisis better than most people because she said because she's always worried about stuff like that. She's got practice in it. So in other words, I suppose for everybody else, the mental health of this is very difficult. But for you, it's something. This is your life. You've been doing this actually, all along. I, I, I felt you know. I said at least now I'm not alone. Uh, everybody else. But I want to come back to the medical profession again. Uh, I went to the psychiatric and seen them then and same thing and I took took them on and I seven of them actually came in the head leader of, I said if you think you're helping people with mental illness that come in here and giving them medication you can go home at the end of the day to your family or whatever and clap yourself in the bag and say you did a good job I said you're sadly mistaken because all you're doing is poisoning the poisoning or masking the problem masking the problem and uh, I turned to alcohol for a period of time then, and a lot of people that have alcohol problems are just medicate, self-medicated. But I, 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 came, I spent a week with my brother last week, believe it or not, and uh, we won't say about quarantine or whatever, but I've been in quarantine for the last 10 years. Okay, so you know what's going on. Jude, I, I don't want to cut you short, but unfortunately I have to go into the news now, right? But I tell you what, if you, if you want to, I would love to get you on again to talk in more detail um, about it if, you, if you're willing to do that. I just want to share this. With the well, actually, I'll tell you what. i say what. Hang on with me there, and I'll go to the news, and I'll come straight back to you after the news. that be okay? No. It, 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 most of it is childhood trauma. That's all I want okay. to say to people out there. And it's very deep in the subconscious. You can come back to me afterwards if you want. All right, okay. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, i got to go to the news. Uh, the number is because uh, I, I hate rushing people through interviews. There's nothing worse than But unfortunately, of course, we have to give people the news. We have to pay the bills. All those kind of things have to be done as well. Um, but it's important that we hear everybody's story without being rushed through it. Uh, the number is 87 All right, um, we want to get back to talking about mental health. And a lot of people text in. Somebody says, uh, your caller is bang on. Mental health is a big issue in Ireland for a long time. I told a mental health care worker who was visiting a relative one day that 
at the HSE service she worked for were nothing but state-paid drug pushers. My relative cheered at at my statement, but she is still taking all 12 different scripts a day that she's been prescribed. Uh, Let me go back to Jude, who I didn't want to cut short before the break. Sorry, Jude, for cutting you a little bit short before the news there. Um, And I'm glad to have you back on again. So, Jude, how are you now? Believe it or not, Niall, a miracle has after happened over the last week. Okay. And, uh, my brother rang. Uh, my sister and brother used to call in to me, and they'd see the state I was in. Like, and I'm a 50 year old man, but uh, they'd say I look like a 75 year old. I'd been through, this is the previous time today, last year. The, I had no dressing gown on. I hadn't been out in days. I hadn't eaten properly. Hadn't shaved. They say you look like you know. Um, I'm getting emotional now. You look like a man at 75 years of age. When they left, they couldn't help me because I didn't know what was wrong with myself. I didn't know I was... I travelled the world. Someone would say, be in Australia, be in China tomorrow and be gone. I wouldn't even think about it. So you were a very outgoing person. Oh, totally. And one of the best workers. I know that today. But they said they... He told me last week, he said, they used to go home, drive home. They said, we have to... You know, they were thinking of arranging a funeral. We'll we'll go in someday and find that. That's how bad I was now. Mm-hmm. So and the brother rang the sister. Right? I, I, suppo- I, I suppose, yeah, sorry on. for interrupting you, but it's, it's a bit like, I suppose, alcoholism and everything else is that you have to be admit and be honest exactly. with yourself and admit that you have a problem. Yeah, but it, it gets buried in the sub- it gets buried in the subconscious so much you don't you don't know. Even if a person tells you, you cannot see it until that thing pops up mm-hmm. that triggered it originally. Like if if people have gone through childhood trauma, you know, people that are sexually abused, whatever. They bury that so deep to protect themselves. And they could come out of it and go on and have a brilliant life, but at a later stage, it they comes go back. Into dark sp- no, it doesn't come. I wish it'd come back. It goes into, you go into a dark spiral. You could have a brilliant life, big money, job, everything. And you go into this deep darkness, and you don't know what triggers it until some professional, really professional counselor or whatever, gets you to go back and say, what? figured this and my brother actually invited me out last week and he actually told me later he told the sister I'm going to give it one more go I'm going to invite him out here and I'm going to go to town on him I'm going to get him to lose his temper to see where all this is and it took him three days and I realized I got angry I had such from my childhood like mm-hmm. bad schooling in yeah. very one of my teachers was very, very cruel to me. And she was cruel to others also, but I didn't see this like yeah. And my home life wasn't so good because my dad was a little bit... He wasn't there for us. He, he couldn't be there. But uh, then some other trauma happened, and it's like a black veil is thrown over you and you can't see clearly. And you all just can't the shake it off, yeah, yeah. All the tra- no, but all the traumas all the way, maybe five or ten, a little black veil is thrown over every time, and in the end you end up in dark. Because see, people, what people don't understand is our mind, not our brain as such, because our brain just computes and keeps the body running. Yeah. But our mind, it's like any other part of your body. I mean, if you keep hitting your leg for long enough, eventually you'll break it or you'll, you'll bruise it or do a lot of permanent damage to it. And yeah. if you keep hitting your mind or if your mind keeps getting traumatized by different things, eventually it's going to get damaged. And again, just like that, because we can't see it, it is invisible in people. We don't know. And when, you, when we look at people on television, I've often thought that, you know, when you look at people, like we, I remember two years ago, Aunt MacPartland from Anton Deck. So here's this wonderful guy on the television who's happy, 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 happy. And because it's acting, of course. But in his, in his own life, he was going through so much depression. He was on uh, medications. He was drink driving. He, he destroyed his marriage. He, like, and we don't see that in people because we physically, we can see a broken leg, but we can't see somebody's mind. So we don't know what they're going through. But I, I could spend 24 hours on the air with you trying to explain this. And still, unless you... You fix your phone I'm there, Jude. You're a bit, bit muffled there. Sorry, Jude. Yeah, I'm, back, I'm back again now. I'm just okay. figuring I could spend 24 hours on the air with you trying to explain, but unless you've been through that darkness, you're oh, not, I, I guarantee Jude, you... Jude, I, I have. I have. I went, well, to a mar- is- I went to a marriage breakup three years ago. Oh. Look, it's, it's a matter of a record. I've been in the papers yeah. talking about it. And I stood on Hoth Head three, over three years ago wondering, was there any purpose to life? And it was four o'clock in the morning and if it hadn't been for a phone call from a good friend who wanted to come see me, they were in Kildare, uh, but they talked to me for three or four hours and every night since, uh, that particular, around that time. Um, And if it hadn't been for them, I don't know where I'd be today. You would have been 
women halfway to England, I'd say. Oh, well, possibly. Possibly. And but thankfully then I met a wonderful woman, uh, my new partner. I met her and she completely changed my life. And you know what the one thing she said to me when I was feeling down at the very, very start? Yeah. Uh, when I met her first. And it was probably one of the very first conversations I had with her. And it was like four or five o'clock in the morning. And she said to me, you have to learn to value yourself. What would you do with them? And I told her bluntly, I said, I'd catch him by the scuff of the neck, drag him down to the river, put a bullet in him and throw him in. Mm-hmm. Well, she says, you have to become your own best friend because at the end of the day, you know one else to fall back on. Yeah, absolutely. But, but just very quickly, in relation but, to the prescribed medication, somebody mentioned there earlier on about yeah. their relative being constantly prescribed medication. Now, by the way, there are some people who are on medication which it works well for them, It right? works, it does, yeah. Absolutely. So I don't, I don't want to dismedication completely, no, 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 right? No, no. Because some people it's vital. But there are others who sh- talk therapy would work a lot better than medication. But it's like anything, uh, different... Uh, Everybody has different DNA structure, different mental illness. But I don't think it should even be categorized as a mental illness. It's an emotional illness. It's in the heart if you've gone through trauma. Like, and it, it's Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud turned turned psychiatry on his head when he when he took over. Like he mm-hmm. he he was an atheist and he didn't believe in the psychobabble. The word psycho means soul. Psychiatry means psychoanalyst. If you go out into the Amazon or any of the tribal there's always a head doctor there. Uh, they call him a witch doctor because the West didn't agree with it. But that person in the tribe was the top psychiatrist for the tribe. And anyone that was suffering trauma would go to him and he would analyze where the trauma came from. But Sigmund Freud took over and he said, I think he read the Bible and he called God the madman. But he put it all in the head and then the pharmaceutical companies came over and we treated it with chemicals. It's an emotional illness. Sometimes it's mental for some. Mm-hmm. Medication works for some. But it's emotional, like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. That will go to the root of the emotional trigger. And how are you... T- I mean, this very day today, you say like, this, this week has been life-changing, and you, you've said that. Uh, but, but I mean, uh, did you have a shave? <laughs> uh, no, I'm still lying in bed, relaxing. I First time in months or years did I get up and clean my apartment. I brought my dog to the bed. I cleaned my apartment. I'm... I, put some food on. Like, I could go to the food when I was in this deep profession, look in, and the food would be, the fridge would be full, but I'd be so sick in the stomach that my stomach would turn and I'd cereal yeah. to buy that just because it was convenient. Yeah. That was the worst of the depression. Like I said, I travelled the world. I, and what are you good at? I mean, do you, oh, do, you want, do you want to get back out working again? This is what I said. This is, I wrote down a few jots here to say a lot of people work at a, at a, at a fruitless Fruitless work, like it's yeah. just that they have to do it. Yeah, you have to find. Yeah, in at nine, home at five, hate your job. Yeah, yeah. it's a, and you have no choice because you have to pay the mortgage, feed the yeah. kids, etc. This is given a lot. This quarantine thing is given a lot of, a lot of people food for thought, and they're thinking, look, what am I doing in this mundane job, running like a hamster on a hamster wheel? Going back, going back rather, take time, chill out, say, look at. What do I love doing? What will bring me joy in my life and joy in my family's life? Retrain for a new job, a job that you love. I read something there. I have a candle there. It says, find out what you're good at. Find out what you love doing. And get someone to pay you for it. You'll never and what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you love doing? I, I'm, listen to me today. I can see I'm multi-talented. I've written <laughs> hundreds of songs, thousands of poems. Yeah. I bought seven or eight guitars in the last... 20 years. Did you get anything? Have you had anything published yet or anything like that? No. My stuff has travelled the world because I put it in the backpack and I said I'll be up in and Long Shaft and I'll rewrite it. And have you got a I, poem there? Do you have a poem there? Handy. Uh, I do, yeah. Off the top of the head, I have a hundred in my head. Uh, All right. Give us, give us a quick one. This was one in America, but I'll, I'll give you the one in Galway first. Uh, what is it? Walking down by the river that flows out of Galway Bay, feeling a little lonesome for I know I'm going away. Walking through the cladder with his fair feathered friends, the beautiful white swans that seem to glide along. Here am I in Sydney, part of New South Wales, the hills of Connemara seem so far away. And three years, three years after writing that, I ended up at my best man at my brother's wedding in Sydney, in New South Wales, 
and I didn't even know New, New South Wales in that part. Well, there you go. There, well, there, there's a coincidence. Jude, it's been wonderful talking to you, by the way. And I know, I know a lot of people listening today uh, can absolutely appreciate your story. And, and you know, they're probably maybe in that position or they're close to that position. And maybe you have maybe given them a little bit of food for thought that they might just give themselves a little bit of a kick in the ass and get themselves back out there again or try to do something and realise that what they're going through is repairable. It is repairable. It is repairable. Yeah. The only medication I'm on at the moment is uh, when this corona 19 came around, people said, a friend of mine recommended vitamins. Yeah. Thousand milligrams, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and magnesium. And I'm on that for the last two weeks. Well, okay, well it's, not bad, it's not bad for you. I mean, I'm taking vitamins now as well at the moment. I'm taking a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every day as well. But you can buy them fairly cheap in your local supermarket, the little tubes. Very cheap. Yeah. Less than 50 euros. Thousand milligrams of vitamin D, vitamin yeah. C, zinc, and, and uh, it's magnesium. Good, it's good for your body. It helps your body create antibodies, you know. So if you did get COVID 19, the, the symptoms hopefully wouldn't be quite as bad because yeah, obviously your body. Body would produce those antibodies a bit quicker. Um, it's, my, it's certainly my, not a cure, but it certainly helps people, a preventative measure, I suppose. My biggest fear in the depression was that I actually lost interest in taking care of myself, to put on food, to eat properly. Did you lose weight or put on weight? I lost weight. Okay, okay. I, I used to be nearly 11 and a half stone. I went, at one stage, I went down to 8 and a half stone because you can't eat. You're so sick. Yeah. Doesn't, yeah, you don't feel the purpose. There's no purpose, and you don't feel like you couldn't be bothered even making something. It's just that you can't do yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Dishes lying in the sink yeah. for, for yeah. a week or a month, and I used to be clean. I mean, but in the last week, when I'm out of it, I come out of it in spurts, maybe for a week or a month, and I'm eating three dinners a day. I'm up. At, I, it's like bed's on fire at five in the morning. I walk the dog. I'm totally back to normal. And next thing, Bang. it hit me between the two eyes, like yeah. Mike Tyson again, knocked out. Hopefully well, this time. Yeah. Hopefully this time. And I really, really wish you well, June. I'd love to hear from you and again. And same to you. Uh, do you oh. know, uh, because pe- people in that depression, you see the trauma or whatever, mental illness with them, they need professionals that they can talk to Absolutely. that have been through it themselves. And I'm sure there's a lot of the medical profession out there, like psychologists like or whatever, that they've gone through it. And if you meet one of them, it's brilliant because they understand and they can treat you it's, it's like someone with a broken leg in a crutch. And you could travel around for five years and not see. If you end up with a broken leg yourself and you walk through the city, you'll see 10, 20, 30 people on crutches. But because you're on it yourself. And but when you have mental health problems, you don't see anybody else with it because everybody else, I mean, we, we see that on social media, pretends they have a wonderful life. But in the back of their minds, there's probably something terribly going wrong. Uh, Jude, again, it was wonderful talking to you and I hope we'll talk to you again soon. Put and me on the air any time. But I can right. walk through Galway City and I can pick out the people that are sick, actually. I can see it in them. I can see that dark. Yeah, yeah, you can see it in their eyes. Look at... God bless. God bless. And you, you too, Jude. All right, take care of yourself. And I hope this time is the time that uh, you will turn your life around. I think you, I think you might. I have a funny feeling this is the time you're going to turn your life back around and do something that you really enjoy. Thanks, Jude. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.